Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 8.45 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Awesome. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, I just thank you for every person that's here. Lord, thank you for the plan and the purpose that you have for our lives. And uh, Lord, today as we just uh, just kind of have more of a, of a kind of a family meeting today uh, for a sermon, Lord, we're just asking, God, that your blessing and your anointing would just settle on the house and it would settle on our hearts. Thank you, God, for coming and just speaking really clear to us today. Uh, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to challenge us today. We give you permission to, to just uh, stir the status quo in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I want to start off this morning by reading a uh, very familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, it's probably one of the more uh, well-known parables that Jesus taught there in Mark chapter 4. So let's pick it up there in verse 1 and let these people just do what they do look pretty. Here we go. Verse 1, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It will be up on the screen for you guys that do not have your Bible. It says this. It says, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. And it says, a very large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat in a boat while all the people remained on the shore. Verse 2 says, He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables. It says, Such as this one. He said in verse 3, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed, and as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. It says, The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. It says, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Somebody say, it died. I just want to hear you say that. Verse 7, it says, other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Listen, if we continue to read there in chapter 4, we would find out that as Jesus taught the multitude, that his disciples literally sat back and they scratched their head and they could not figure out what in the world he was talking about. So once again, as you continue to read, what did they do? They waited for the crowd to disperse. And once they dispersed, they said, hey, look, Jesus, we really need you to break that down for us. What in the world did all that mean? And Jesus basically said this to him. He said, look, guys, the seed that the farmers scattered, we know it represents what? It represents the word of God. Most of us in this room know that. And then he says that as the farmer scattered the seed, basically the seed fell in four types of soil, and each type of soil represented the condition of someone's heart, and it also represented basically their response to the gospel, God's word, kingdom truths, however you want to word it, okay? But then he went on and he said this. This is how he elaborated. And remember, you guys picked your spots today. My, my wife told me uh, last night uh, that basically I need to say this to you guys so you don't think I'm talking about you. So you pick the spots, okay? All right, so here we go. 
So basically, Jesus elaborated, he said this, said, look, some people are like the seed, we're picking on Noah here, like the seed that fell on the hardened soil on the footpath. In other words, this soil was hard and the seed could not germinate in it. So no sooner than, than Noah there heard the word, uh, basically or heard the truth, birds, which we know represent the kingdom of darkness or Satan himself, what happens? They immediately come in and they snatch away the truth that was planted in his heart. And then he went on to say that there was other people like the seed that fell on rocky soil. He said this soil was so full of gravel that the soil was literally, it was just, it was just shallow. And then he said that the plant uh, sprouted quickly, initially looking really good, but its roots couldn't go deep enough to withstand the furnace-like heat of that Middle Eastern, remember the, the, who he was talking to, the Middle Eastern basically hot day or noonday sun. So ultimately what happened is, is, is the person in this area, they hear the truth, uh, they respond to it immediately with enthusiasm, but as soon as the emotions wear off or basically some difficulty in life comes or some level of persecution arises, what happens? They, they fall away and they have nothing. Nothing to show for it. And then the third person, or the third uh, basic condition of the heart, he says this, that they are the ones that, that basically are the seed that was cast into a weed-infested area that was full of thorns. And so basically, they initially receive the truth, and the plant begins to grow. And I think basically when you first look at it, you go, man, this thing really has lots of potential. But eventually, they become so overwhelmed and worry about the concerns of life. And then, or maybe they do this, or maybe they fall prey uh, to the deceitfulness of riches, or even maybe they begin to desire the things of the world more than they desire to know God. And guess what happens? The, the, the word is strangled or it's choked out by the thorns, and uh, basically all the truth that was in their life comes to nothing good job Adrian and then he said and lastly I knew she'd just smile at you and she have a great smile that, that there are those who are like the seed that was scattered on good soil. In other words, these people over here, they, they hear the truth. They embrace the truth as God's word. They commit their lives to it. And then what happens, it begins to produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams, even 30, 60, and 100 times more than the original seed that was planted in them. Meaning like this, the initial conversation that someone had about Jesus grows and develops way more than what they ever thought it would. Does that make sense? Now, one of the points of this parable is really straightforward. It's just simply this. I think we'd all agree on this. That, that a great spiritual start is no guarantee to a happy ending. Right? I want you to think about this. Think about how many times have we said about a person that's in this area that we go, man, I don't know why, but the light just is not turning on for that person. It's like, man, they listen, they seem interested, but for whatever reason, man, they're just blinded to the truth. If you've ever done any amount of, of witnessing, you have encountered people at that area. Can I get an amen? amen? So, and then, or basically this, or how many times have we rejoiced over the first signs of spiritual life, almost like a little baby steps, only to see it shrivel up and die as quickly as it got started? Anybody ever been there? Or how many times have we seen, right, those start well, and they did more than start well, but they begin to have kingdom influence, and then for whatever reason, the truth that they walked in was choked out of their lives, and today we have absolutely no clue where they're at. I've been in this long enough to tell you that I've experienced all three of those many, many, many times. 
Now, for many people in the church, when they see those three scenarios play out, uh, unless it's someone that's really close to them, they simply just kind of shrug their shoulders and go, oh, well, we, you know, we kind of hope for you know, more in that situation than what happened, right? It's just kind of, uh, you know, it's a thing that I guess maybe it just isn't really a big deal to them. They just, it's just another person passed through. But I, but I want us to think about this for a second. I want to think about this verse, and this is simply just to set up where we're going today. I want us to think about it in the context of what Jesus was teaching. Because, uh, you know, today, and I don't mean this in, you know, to uh, slight anybody, but a majority of America, the closest we get to agriculture is in the produce aisle of the grocery store. Okay? And, and, and you know, that's just truth, right? And uh, thank God for farmers. Amen? So, so but for... The people that Jesus was teaching on this day, they really understood what he was talking about. Jesus was the master at taking something that was in the natural and swinging it to the supernatural to explain kingdom principles. And that's what he was doing with the crowd that was gathered there that day. But so kind of with that in mind, I want to think about it once again, the context of Jesus was teaching this. So ask ourselves today, what farmer has ever been satisfied with his seeds being eaten by birds? What farmer has ever been satisfied with his seeds becoming nothing but a singled, withered sprout in the ground? What farmer has, has ever been satisfied knowing that their seed almost made it to harvest? None of them, right? I had the privilege of, of spending a good portion of my life growing up on a, a really small 113-acre farm. Okay, and, and I can say this from experience that when a certain field didn't produce the desired crop or to to say maybe this that when a uh, you know a pig a chicken a goat a cow uh, when when those animals died in infancy or at a youthful stage I cannot I cannot really put into words but the entire family felt the seriousness of that moment Right. I, you know, I, I, you know, one way I thought, man, what a what an opportunity. I didn't I didn't get it then. I didn't understand it. I just saw it as chores and things we had to do and things that I would, uh, you know, I'd rather been playing, but I had to go slop the hogs or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, 100 things go bell. Hey, whatever. All that stuff that we used to do. But but it's like this. It's um, when I sit back and I look at those moments and, and when things didn't work out well, you know, of watching really the adults feel the, the pain that was in that. And the reason is, is because it was money in their pockets and it was food on our table. So there was a seriousness that was in it. Am I making sense to you? So in other words, it's this, if I could say it another way. In our family, when things didn't grow into maturity, not a single person in the family shrugged their shoulders and said, oh, well, that's a bummer. I wish more would have happened there. See, here's the, here's the whole reason why I'm saying all of this today. And once again, this is more of a family meeting. So if you're visiting, welcome to the family, all right? But I think the point here is pretty simple. I, I believe that the heart of God is found in one thought in this parable. And it's this, that if an ordinary farmer doesn't just shrug his shoulders and say, oh, well, when his seed doesn't grow and develop into a healthy harvest, then why would one of us who are a member of the family of God shrug our shoulders when things don't, or should I say, when those around us don't grow and develop into mature and healthy believers? And if I could take that even another step, 
Why would we ever think that God just shrugs his shoulders and says, oh, well, when one of us don't grow and develop into healthy, mature believers? Amen. Let me, let me share one scripture with you, and then I'll let these guys grab a seat. I told you it, would be, uh, it wouldn't be painful, right? You just, you just had to look good, and that's easy for y'all. So, uh, but let me reinforce the thought here about how God wants us to develop and grow to maturity. Look at Ephesians 4 with me. It says this. It says, Christ gave these gifts, talking about the fivefold ministry, to prepare God's holy people. Somebody say, holy people. people. Say, that's me. me. Come on, say, that's me. It says, to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving to make the body of Christ what? Weaker? No, stronger. It says, this work must continue until we are all joined together in unity in what we believe and in what we know about the Son of God. Watch this. It says, our goal is to become like a full-grown, bearded, that's my word, mature man. Y'all see that? Basically, our goal is to become like a full-grown man or full-grown woman, right? It says, to look just like Christ and have all his perfection. The word perfection there actually means maturity. It says, they will no longer, again, we're talking about ourselves here. We will no longer be like babies. We will not be people who are always changing like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to deceive us. Those who make clever plans and use every kind of trick to fool others into following the wrong way. Verse 15 says, no, we will speak the truth with love. We will what? Grow to be like Christ in every way. And then it says, he is the head, and the whole body depends on him. It says, all the parts of the body are joined and held together, which each part doing its own work, this causes the whole body to do what? To grow and to be stronger in love. Gang, I don't think you can get any clearer than that. Listen, if you're here today and you can hear what I'm saying, right? It is God's expectation that you would grow and develop into a healthy, mature believer and that you would ultimately uh, basically grow into develop in Christ-likeness, right? So wherever you're at today, listen, um, a year from now, you should not be there, okay? It, it should be continual upward progress of growing. Let me maybe even say it this way, that, you know, and I've said this before, but, but which one of us that have ever had the privilege to have kids said, man, I, I hope my kid stays three years old for the rest of his life. <laughs> That's funny. I just thought, man, people talk about the terrible twos. <laughs> In my house, it's, it's the terrible threes with all of them. Lord Jesus, help me, right? And we got one that's still there, and, man, he don't know how to shut a door quiet, and he don't know how to hold something without breaking it, and he loves saying no. But anyway, so, so it is not God's will for us to stay at, at a three-year-old immature baby in the Lord. It, it is God's will for us to grow. Somebody say, it is God's will, God's will. for me to grow. me to grow. Give these guys a hand. So the question of the day is this. I read all this so we could get to this point, okay? The question of the day is this, is what does Jesus' parable about the four types of soil and Paul's words in Ephesians 4 say about the way we do church? 
I said this was going to be a family meeting today. What, what, what does that say about how we do church? Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this. So often we go to church and we think it's this guy and these people and those guys in the back's responsibility to how we do church. No, 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 no. It's all of our responsibility of how we do church because we are the church. Amen. Church is not a building. The church is us, right? The spirit of the living God dwells within us. And so how do, uh, how do we look at these scriptures once again? And how do we, you know, once again say, man, how, how uh, is, is that going to affect? How is that going to impact the way we do church? In other words, what's going to be our response to those scriptures? So let me be maybe say it another way. How are we as a family going to help people who walk through these doors? How are we going to help people who call this place home? How are we going to help you? How are we going to help me? How are we going to help each other grow into maturity? Because once again, there's a mutual responsibility to one another that so often in, a, in an independent society and culture we miss. Amen? So listen, I, I think some people would automatically just say, you know, man, Sunday morning, man, that's the answer. And I, I want you to know that, that what we're doing today and every Sunday morning, uh, you, you know, d- does that help in the endeavor of growing people? Yeah, but it's certainly not the, the complete solution to the issue. Okay, and the reason is, is because the Sunday morning, and you'll see as we go here, as, as, as much as God is in it, as much as he ordained it, as much of an impact that it has on people's lives, it falls uh, way short of some necessary areas to help people grow to maturity in their lives. So what's the answer? And, and, and I'm going to ask you very nicely not to check out with me when I give you our solution. Because today what I'm talking to you about is not... Um, it's not us twilling our thumbs and going, hey, that's a good idea. No, 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 no. This is birthed out of conviction. Okay? It's birthed out of conviction and it's birthed off out of a response uh, to the Word of God. It is, it is birthed out of obedience to what we feel like God wants to do. But, but here's the vehicle that we as, as a leadership team, as we have prayed and sought God, what we believe is the solution for us in this season, this hour as a church, to help every one of us and the people once again to come through the door to move to maturity, and that's through this. It's through small groups. It's through small groups. Um, you, you know, even, even in this sense, to think about if a person that's never heard the gospel comes through these doors and they get saved, have you ever thought, now what? Right? Have you ever thought, now what? Because I do. And, and I, and I uh, recognize that until we have an answer for the now what, Jesus isn't going to trust us with the multitude that we pray for. Amen? And so, but, but I also realize, and you'll see more of this in a second, and I'm not trying to put myself on, on his playing field, but, it, but if Jesus could only disciple 12 people, man, I can't even come close to that. So guess what? It's going to need, you know, if, if 1,000 people came, if 500 came, if 300 came, uh, how do we disciple them? Well, it can't be just me, right? Not, not, if, not if I want to stay happily married and have kids. A lot of truth in that. So, to be clear about this, the goal here at our church is simply this, is that we'd be a church, and please don't miss this, sounds so trite, but that, that we would not be a church, uh, that we would be a church of small groups and not a church that has small groups. That we'd be a church of small groups, not a church with small groups. And what I mean by that is this, 
is I don't feel like it's God for us to just go, well, you, you know, we have all this stuff on the buffet, and here's another thing that we do, so let's throw it out there because we're bored and we need something to keep people busy, not the plan. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I say no to a lot of things, and I say no to a lot of things on purpose. And the reason I say no to that is because I believe that, that God's going to give us a, an intentional strategy in developing people. And if we just try to, uh, you know, do a thousand things, then it's almost like taking uh, a little bit of butter and trying to cover a whole big old loaf of bread. It won't work. Right? And, and, so, and so I'd rather have uh, enough butter in one area and spread it really thick because God knows butter and bread are great together. Right? <laughs> Whatever. All right. So am I making sense to you? So, so let's do something, once again, with intentionality. Now, now I recognize that maybe you're here today, and, and you've already been a part of a small group that we have at the church, okay? And, and if you've already been committed uh, to a small group here at the church, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hopefully, you've enjoyed that experience. Uh, I believe we're getting better at what we're doing, and, and I expect it to be more fruitful. And anyways, we're always growing. We're always learning, Okay. Now, maybe you're here and you've dropped in a few times, but you're not really committed. You just kind of popped in, put a toe in the water, okay? Or, or maybe you're here today and you go, man, I've considered it, but, but you know, I haven't really made my final decision. I've heard the announcements, whatever. I've, I know somebody that's in that group over there, but I just haven't made the commitment. Or maybe you're sitting here thinking today, man, there's absolutely no way I'll ever go to one of those things. Those things, right? <laughs> Whichever group you fall in today, even if you've been committed, I'm asking you to kind of pull up on the edge of your seat and just listen. Hear our heart on it. And that's what we want to do today. I just want to give you our heart uh, according to small groups. And I'm probably going to do this a little bit different than what you expect. But just open your heart. Now let me maybe take a second before we dive into this and clear the air on something, okay? Because I realized that as soon as you heard those two powerful words, small group, immediately, you know, your excuse meter hit level 10, Church people are good at excuses. Can I get an amen? amen? Trust me, I get it. Listen, I know your calendar is full, and, th- and you think you don't have time for one more thing. I get it. Trust me, I get it. I know some of you don't see your need for each other, so you say things like this. I'm good. I- I'm doing fine on my own. I'm doing-, I'm doing my own thing with Jesus. And I know some of you in here don't like... Being vulnerable, so you say things like this, um, I'm just not that good at that, that opening up thing. And I know some of you in here that you think you're not that relational, so you say things like this, eh, you know, I, I don't really feel that comfortable being in a room full of people. And I know some of you, and I'm going to smile at you when I say this one, right? I know that some of you let the Lone Ranger, an independent spirit that has a stranglehold on this region, determine how you live your life. I think if, I've, if I have learned anything in the last probably six months by living here, that I've realized that how much an independent spirit just isn't in operation and the unsaved in our region, but man, it is, it is running the life of so many Christians. They're so independent and they don't see their need for one another. And uh, I just want to ask you guys really flat out, what does God think and say about all of your excuses? You know, have you ever asked him, God, what's your opinion on my excuse? <laughs> Wave your hand if you know we got some excuses. 
Amen. Some of y'all, y'all need one admitted. That's all right. I hope, hopefully you was wiggling your toe in your shoes, all right? But, but listen, we all got them, okay? And, um, but let me, let me take this one step further. If you're sitting in the room today and you have made a decision to follow Jesus, if you see yourself as a son and daughter of God, let me ask you this. Who is your family? Who's your family? Who is your tribe? Who are you gathering with? Who are you bonding with? Listen, who is encouraging you? Who is holding you accountable? Who's crying with you? Who is rejoicing with you? Who is challenging you to press in deeper? Who in your life is pointing out the speck in your eye? Who knows you so well that when you're not acting like yourself, they go, hey, man, you're not being you. Eat a Snickers bar, right? Who knows knows you so well that when you're MIA, they know you're not here? If I can flip that, though, and ask today, who are you encouraging? Who are you holding accountable? Who are you crying with, rejoicing with? Who are you challenging to press in deeper? Who are you saying, hey, man, you got a booger in your nose? Right? Who are you sitting back going, man, you're not acting like yourself today? Man, where have you been? Right? Because once again, it's a mutual, it's a mutual responsibility to one another. Right? So can, can I offer a hint to you? And this is... And this is, um, maybe sounds strong, but, but if your answer to those questions is simply this, well, it's my spouse or it's my BFF, that stands for best friend forever, right? I was in youth ministry way too long, I think. Anyway, so, um, or if you say this, well, well Pastor, I, I have Jesus and I really don't need anyone else. I want to ask you today, what Bible are you reading? What Bible are you reading, right? Because my Bible says that everything relationally works uh, horizontally and vertically. You can't separate the two. We love God and we love people. And if we say that I have a God and I have no need of people, the Bible actually says that the way I love people is my fruit that I love God. It all works together, right? And there's a hundred verses to go with that. So call me crazy here, and this is just a thought, but I actually believe that is the heart of God in this season, that he is restoring the church, not to some, what we have been, some, some uh, dried up, you know, uh, institution, uh, organization that's just boring. I, I believe he is restoring the church back to family, right? And, and I'll say this, not a dysfunctional one, but a vibrant one. Amen? Because we got dysfunction down. So... It's kind of like this. If I can say it this way, I believe that the days of living like a spiritual hermit are over. And, you know, listen, we all know that people who isolate themselves end up being really weird. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be weird. Some of y'all wanted to say too late, right? Anyways. All right. Let, 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 me take, let me take this one more step further, okay? Now, this is where I'm really going to ask you to open your heart because I'm going to get in your grits here a little bit, okay? Everybody, everybody with me? Okay, listen, this is, not, this is not beating nobody up. This is just loving you to biblical Christianity, all right? So, so let me just ask you this. Today, are you in the will of God? Are you in the will of God? Now, automatically people think, well, where I work, where I do this, that's not what I'm talking about. 
Are you in the will of God? Because, because the truth is, is I'm realizing that I can pastor a church and I can live in, in Rockport, Maine and, and, and so-called be where God wants me and still not be in the will of God. And you'll understand hopefully in a minute with what I say. But about eight months, and I'll just kind of explain, about eight months ago, I had a spiritual epiphany. And it basically came like this. I was sitting in my bedroom and I was preparing for uh, the Ascend small group that my wife and I lead from 10 to 40 years, uh, 10, 20 to 40 years old. If you're 10, don't show up. So I was, I was basically preparing for that. And in a few short hours, you know, I was going to be telling people that would gather in our living room. Basically, I would be telling them this, that on, on surface level, and I am telling you this for a reason here. That on surface level, our small groups here at the Anger Church have one simple purpose, and that is to bring people together. Okay? That's key. That's huge, is to bring people together. And the reason that's huge is because, once again, this is what I was going to tell them. That's what I'm telling you today. Uh, because we really, really believe that life change happens in the context of relationship. Okay? I believe that wholeheartedly. And then I was going to tell him this. I was going to say, but, you know, that's surface level. But on a, a deeper level, the purpose of our small groups is really twofold. It's discipleship and it's community. And I was going to explain to them that we base it off because I'm the kind of guy, man, I don't say much without, unless there's a Bible verse attached to it. But I was going to say, man, we base that off the early church as described in Acts 2.42 and Acts 5.42 that meant that, that that's the way they lived. It was fellowship and it was discipleship, right, or community. And, and, and when I was thinking about that, that's when the light came on for me. And please hear what I'm saying today. Instantly I realized that it is beyond a shadow of a doubt God's will. Somebody say God's will. For every believer to be an active part of a healthy community where they are being discipled and where they are discipling each other or another person. Do you get that? That it is God's will, say it again, it's God's will for us to be a part of a healthy community where we are being discipled and where we are discipling another person or other people. It's a great commission. Amen. Listen, it was then that I realized that, and this was, you, you know, you might not, this might not be a big deal to you, but, but that day I cannot express to you how much I was feeling this pressure to go, man, it is my responsibility to disciple all these people that are about to show up at my house. And, and I'm thinking, oh, God, you got to help me, right? And, and I realized when the light came on that it was no longer my sole responsibility to disciple every person in our group. In fact, God was actually, I saw it, man. He was putting an offer on the table for all of us that were in that group to disciple each other. I want you to think about this. Everybody look in here. I want you to think about this. I realized, man, is every person that's about to walk through these doors, do they not have the Spirit of God in them? Yes. Do they not have an anointing on their life? Yes. Do they have an experience? Yes. Do they have a story to tell? Yes. Do they have an influential voice? Yes. Then why not share it? Right? That, it, that it's not, once again, gather around my feet and let me pour into you. It was, no, no, no. It was like, hey, we're going to pour into each other. And, and you see, I realized that God was giving every person in our group, He's giving every one of you that's in this room, a golden opportunity for us to live out transparent, biblical discipleship in the context of Christ-centered community. Let me make that really simple. Somebody say family. It's the way it is. L listen, I realized that he, is inviting, he was inviting us that night, and he's inviting us today to do life with other believers. And here's what that looks like. 
It's where, it's where we get to invite the Holy Spirit to come into the details of our lives. It's where we get to wrestle with the truth together. And it is a wrestling match, I assure you. It's where we get to laugh together. We get to cry together. We get to encourage one another. We get to comfort one another. We get to celebrate the victories. We get to weep in the defeats. We fight and overcome struggles together. We take off our masks. We tear down our walls. We hold each other accountable. We get healed from our past wounds. We're transformed. Guess what? We take another step closer to maturity. And ultimately, we get to know him more in an intimate way. Somebody say we get to go deep. Are y'all hearing me today? So if you're sitting here today wondering why small groups exist in the church, in other words, why did why do we make a decision to put small groups in place in our church? Simply this, they exist so you can be discipled and so you can be a discipler, thus fulfilling the will of God for your lives. Because once again, we believe discipleship happens within the context of a community or of relationship. It's family dynamics. Are you seeing what I'm saying to you today? Listen, if you don't believe me, go to uh, Matthew 28. Go read uh, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and make disciples. Before you can make disciples, you got to be a disciple. And so I just live with this core value that, that, that relationally I am either uh, with people, I'm either being discipled or I'm discipling them. And the truth is, is it's really a combination of both those working all together. I, I, th- I think sometimes where we miss it in church is we do this. We, we, we go, we go. It's my responsibility to disciple you. And we live in this position like we're over somebody. That, that God has brought you in my life so I could give all that I am to you and pour to you. Garbage. Okay? Because that's self-righteousness that puts you in a position that you can't learn from them. Here's how we do life. We get to do life together. Amen. What's Jesus telling you? Man, here's what he's been telling me. Man, when your devotion time, man, what, what you been reading? Are you guys with me? So if we can get off our high horse and quit acting like we're the great answer, life would go a lot better for us. Yeah? Man, I, you know, I try to live with this simple thing. So, you know, pe- people say to me, uh, man, you, you ask really good questions. And I live with that motto, great questions get great answers. I'm a naturally inquisitive person. But the reason I'm so inquisitive is this, is because I want to be teachable. And the thing is this, is man, l- l- listen, God honest truth. I've taken walks with my kids, and I've learned stuff about the kingdom. Right? Are you with me? So, so being teachable, being teachable, I've said this before, if, if you really have a teachable spirit, you don't choose whom you learn from. I'm so tired of people saying, well, you know, bless God, I, you, you know, they want to teach me. They ain't got nothing to teach me. All right, so with all that today, let me maybe say this, <clears throat> just for balance sake. I realize that all of this can happen in our lives without going to a small group. I realize that. Just relation with people, it can happen, okay? So I'm not, so I'm not acting like it. It all happens, and if bless God, you won't get that unless you go to a small group. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying small groups is a great vehicle to enter into that if you don't have it, okay? So, but with all that considered, I want to ask you again, once again, if it's the will of God 
for me to disciple someone, right, and be discipled and do life together in that mixture, to do all those things of crying and laughing and all that stuff together, uh, of being challenged and all that, I'm going to ask you today, are you in the will of God? Are you saying that if I don't have those people, I'm not in the will of God? That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, it is. I know that's strong, but that's what I'm saying. So let me give you some practical stuff because I realize as human beings, uh, none of us like showing up to mysterious places where we don't have a clue about what's what's about to happen, right? Is anybody with me on that? Yeah, yeah, like if I go to Everson's house, bless God, are they going to make me eat like chicken livers and and, uh, are they going to be like, Sacrificing goats in the backyard or whatever. <laughs> so so what, what can you expect if you go to a small group? Really simple, okay? <clears throat> Number one, you can expect to find a place where you can connect. This is so simple. A place where you can connect. And, and I don't know about you, but, but meaningful relationships can be really hard to find. I'll say this, for for a guy that was deeply rooted in a church world for 14 years in North Carolina, when we uprooted our family and we moved to Maine, I discovered, and and as relational as I am, I discovered how hard it is to find meaningful relationships. Can I get a witness? It is very difficult, and especially this, especially if, if you have... If you have been unsaved and get saved, where in the world do you find friends to do life with? Because all my old friends are still let down at Cuzzy's. Right? Yeah. So listen, it's really simple that small groups are a way to help people make those life-changing relationships relevant and easily accessible through our church. Right? And so, so listen, sometimes, sometimes... Being friendly to people isn't always just for you. It's for other people as well, right? And so here's kind of the way I look at it. When we go to small groups, there's this component that's in every small group. It's called casual fellowship. But I think casual fellowship is an on-ramp to community, right? If I don't start somewhere, how am I ever going to get there, right? It's like this. When, you know, you guys that obviously have traveled a lot, all that, you know that you have that blessed God on-ramp, right? And really all that means is, man, it's something to build up speed. Because if you don't get your speed up, guess what? You're going to get ran over, right? And so you hit that old ramp and you, you punch it, right? I, I like to drive fast. So, so you punch it, and, uh, and basically what happens is, 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 guess what? Then you flow into the traffic. That's what our casual fellowship is like. But, but I want to say this. As a pastor, one of my hopes for small groups is simply this, is that it will make the, the back door of our church a whole lot smaller. And what I mean by that is this, is we, we, you know, you don't ever shut a back door of the church. In other words, there's going to be people that are going to come and there's going to be people that are going to leave. But, but my hope is, is that we'd get really sticky and that when people come in, relationships would happen, they'd kind of get stuck to us. Amen. Am I making sense? And, and, and part of this is, and the heart is just knowing people that, that I think statistics say pretty much if someone is in a church for like six months, seven months, if they haven't made like eight meaningful relationships in the church, they leave. So, once again, we have a mutual responsibility when people come in the door. You see that new person, don't go, that's a new person, let me go talk to the person I know. No, go talk to the new person. Once again, they may be a God, uh, uh, basically a, a God-sent person for your life. 
Go figure it out. Or you, or they may be even this. They may be even thinking, man, um, I, I'm going to go to church one more time, and if something doesn't happen there, if I don't feel loved, I'm going to go home and I'm going to shoot myself. I don't mean to be dramatic there, but, man, there's more going on than what we realize in people's lives. Okay? And, uh, man, there's people needing freedom. There's people that are wanting love. And, and, and just, just help, man. Build relationships. Amen? Amen. Number two, if you go to a small group, you'll find it's a place that you can be protected. And what I mean by that is this, is I found out that when we are willing to do life with other people, our problems become a whole lot smaller. Are y'all following me? Our problems become a whole lot smaller. And the reason I say that is because, is because small groups, yes, are a place where, I'll give a good cheers quote, where everybody knows your name, right? Um, but it's where people really care about what's happening in your life. And they want to do this. They want to support you on your spiritual journey. or They want to rally around you, uh, not just when a crisis happens, but just life happens. You, you, you know, listen, there's people in this room, and, uh, you know, the first ones would be Brian and Leah for Jen and I. Man, it's some of the most difficult, poor, uh, you know, spots in our life. Thank God we've had them, right, that they've rallied around us and they've helped us, right, and they've helped us get through things. So, and I'm talking about just, you know, 100 different things in life, okay? So, number three. Small groups, what can you expect? It's a, it's a place to grow. And let me maybe say it this way. As a church, we believe that every person is born with a God-given destiny. And obviously attached to that is they have God-given gifts that God desires to develop in them to, so he can deploy it so they can make a difference in this world. Amen. We're not just here to suck air and to, you know, exhale and eat and sleep and get some money and work. Man, there's more to this thing than that. Amen? So, so listen, as, as small groups, we believe there are a place where people can come around you because a lot of times we don't see what's really in us, and, but we believe that there's people that will be in your group that will help you basically dig out the gold that's in your life, right? So often we just look at the garbage in our lives, but, man, every person in this room has gold in there. Help someone dig it out. Help them, uh, you, you know, get in your life and, and to develop the God-given potential that's on the inside of you. And uh, because basically we look at it like this. And, you, you know, we want our, our people that have said, look, I'll lead a group. We want them to look at every person in the group and think about, man, how can I take this person, this person, this person? How can I help them take one, just one step closer to God? What's the next step for these people? Am I making sense? Once again, to go back to kind of what we built this thing around, is it's an opportunity, once again, for people to get involved so we can know God, find freedom, discover our purpose, and make a difference. Number four, and I hope you appreciate this one, but, but a small group is a place to ask questions. Once again, it goes back to, we know on Sunday mornings, it, it, is, it is not the easiest thing to go, hey, yo, pastor, I got a question, what you said right there? Security. Um, <laughs> Listen, small groups are intentionally designed. We, in other words, we want to do a small group this way, that as facilitators, and there's groups that are kind of built a little different, so they work a little different. But as facilitators, we want to do about 30% of the talking, and then everybody else does 70%. In other words, we want you guys to be able to come with questions. We want you guys to come and wrestle with truth. We want you guys to come and, and, and discuss things. In other words, they're kind of designed for that. And uh, once again, it, it's remembering that fact that if we, don't, if we don't have the ability to answer and ask questions, then are we really discipling one another? No. So we've got to have that component. It's really key. 
Number five, I'm almost done. It's this. A, you can find basically when you go there, it's a place for prayer. And I'm going to say something that I really mean here, okay? We do not want to be the type of church somebody goes, hey, can you pray for me? Yeah, I'll remember you next week. Right? It happens a lot in church. And, or, or you go, yeah, I'll pray for you, and then we get busy and we don't pray for the person. So, so there's, there's, there's a component that we want in our small groups. And, and just get ready for this. Listen, some of us that are from different, uh, different backgrounds, this is going to be awkward. But I'm going to go ahead and just say, hey, it's, it, it's kingdom and, and just relax. All right? And enjoy. But, but I just believe that when we gather around and, and, you know, I think, you know, Pastor Brian is like, if you want to learn, he's the man at this. Okay? Uh, he's the man that's sitting back listening to a group. And everybody's talking, 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 talking. He'll go, bing. Okay, we'll get to the end. You said this 35 minutes ago, and we just want to pray for you in that. That's doing life with people. And not waiting for someone to ask, but just recognizing what's going on in their lives. And, and doing this, hey, we're going to pray for you. And once again, we rally around that. Hey, hey, we're going to, we're going to throw uh, Chuck Willie in the middle here. And we're going to pray for Chuck Willie. And, and we're not going to do this. We're not going to freak out and go crazy, Right? But, but what we are going to do is we're going to give room for the Holy Spirit to get into details, and we're going to listen. God, what are you saying to this person in this moment? Because we're a church that believes God speaks. Amen? And we believe that God is a personal God, and he knows our address. He knows exactly where we're at. And so we're going to give room in that moment in, in, in these small groups to go, Jesus, um, how do you want to minister to Chuck Willie today? God, we know you love Chuck. Speak to Chuck. By the way, there's nobody in our church named Chuck. So, and basically, once again, and hear from heaven and begin to prophetically speak over their lives. Right? Am I making sense to you guys? So, and obviously, there's room there that if you have a prayer request, say, hey, pray for me today. But, but we just want to create an atmosphere where we believe in prayer. And, and I'll even say it this way. If you're a person that wants to learn how to pray, man, there's a, that's a great place to learn how to pray. Right? Because there should be something, man, if these things don't challenge us, what good is it? If we're just there to play games, man, we're missing the point. Number six, as I say, play games. It's a place for fun. <laughs> Great timing. Church should not be boring. Hanging out with other Christians should not be boring. Yes, we should have a blast. We should have fun. And, and call me crazy, but I don't think you got to get drunk to have fun. Can I get an amen? amen. So, so listen, let, let's have fun with one another. In fact, I'll say it this way. Uh, I believe that we need uh, uh, to insert a whole lot more fun in our lives in this room. Because that's where joy's at. Amen? And, and so it's good to have fun, enjoy one another, and cut up and do all kinds of stupid stuff. All right, here we go. Number seven. Last one. It's a place to be with Jesus. Jesus is fun. Jesus is awesome. There's nothing better than being in the presence of God. Nothing better. And the reason I say that, and, I'll, and I haven't mentioned any of the verses. We just kind of have them there. I couldn't find a verse for fun. Sorry. But uh, Matthew 18, 20. Maybe that's why so many church people don't have fun. Anyways, so Matthew 18, 20 there simply says this. For where two or three are gathered in my name, what? He's there. So, so listen, that's not just a verse for church. That could be simply you sitting at coffee with somebody 
and you're talking about Jesus. But, man, there's something about that component. We believe when we get together in small groups, man, that Jesus is there. And that Jesus wants to do life with us just as much as we want to do life with him and life with each other. Yes? All right, so let's shift gears here. Is this helping anybody? Amen. I'm glad you five people feel blessed. Anyway, so... Anyway, so listen, I want to do this, and I know uh, everybody's not here today, so um, anyways, so let's do this real quick. No and Olivia, pop up over there. Abby, go over there with them, please. Jen, you can go over there. Cheryl and Miss um, Kim, if you can go over there. Diane and Angela, you can just kind of stack up behind me. It's fine. Did I say Angela? Angelo, sorry. <laughs> Mr. Eugene, can you go ahead and come up? You and your lovely wife. I love y'all. Mr. Lindley, can you come? Rachel, are you in the house? Or She's not in the house. Jen's representing two things. All right. And I'm here. All right, here we go. Watch this. Um, I, I'm asking these people to come here because I, I want to say this to you guys real quick. Notice we've said, look, in our church, we want you guys to do three things. And some people aren't here today, but we'll still talk about them. In a good way. Um, we, we say all the time, man, we want you guys to do three things. We want you guys to attend church regularly because we believe that's important. Fellowship with the brethren is, is very vital, okay? And so we believe in going to church, and we, we ask that you guys be willing to commit to a small group, and we ask that you guys would be willing to join the team and to get involved somewhere, okay? So today, this is just that second component. So it's a family meeting, and so that's what we're doing. So I'm asking you guys... I guess simply this, that today to sit back and, and maybe ask yourselves, am I, willing to, am I willing to fight for discipleship and community in my life? In other words, even this, after you've sat here this whole time, you, you know, to ask yourself, man, what is God saying to me? And then go, what am I going to do about it? Because we've all been in church, and we felt God prompt us, and then we never follow through. You know, there's an old quote that you've heard me say before that I love. It says, imagination without follow-through is mere fantasy. Okay? So, so there's got to be follow-through in this, all right? And so, once again, we're asking to be in the will of God here. So, real quick, so, so Mr. Gene and Miss Becky, these guys lead a group called Lighten Up. Okay? I love that because that dude's funny. And so... Anyways, so these guys meet on the second and fourth Wednesdays at their house. And uh, basically, they're going through the book of John. And go have fun. Go hang out with these guys, okay? In fact, I'll say this. I typically don't. And this may sound really weird. And because if you get around him, how old are you now? Today. Today. How old are you today? Yeah, there you go. 79. Do you know how many? 79 years old. Man, looking good. 79. Listen, if, um, just so you guys know, I'm sorry, man, this is like so off point, but man, that, that's the man right there that climbed to the top of this building and painted the cupola, or however you say that thing, and, and I was hanging onto a rope for my dear life, and, and this guy was just like, so, if there was something that needed to be done on a ladder, that's your guy. <laughs> Me, I was like this. <laughs> He's all hanging off. I'm like, Lord Jesus. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I kept going, if this man falls, what am I going to do? If this man... <laughs> 
Anyways, so, so listen, though, if you, if you are actually in, and, and I don't know a nice way to say this, sorry, this may be wrong. If you are in your golden years in here, that is a great group to go to. But I will say this, if you're 20, that's a great group to go to, all right? So, so next one is, where's Lindley? There's Lindley. He also has two other guys that help him, David and Kurt. But these guys are uh, called Men of Valor. These guys meet every Tuesday night at 630. They meet weekly. If you're a dude in here that wants to be discipled, man, there's your group, all right? Um, Jen and Rachel. Rachel plays keys. They're, they're actually doing a, a thing called Moms Better Together, that if you basically are looking for fellowship, friendship, basically that motherhood, and you got little rugrats, that's your group, all right? And they meet um, Wednesdays, 10 a.m. every other week. All right? Um, Rachel is not here today, but she does a thing once a month. It'll be basically Saturdays at 3 o'clock. It's called Painting in the Park for you artsy people, and that's for women. So men don't go. Um, uh, I am actually, we're actually leading, she's kind of two groups, I'm in two groups. Uh, but, but I'm going to lead a group that's, we're simply calling it the process that, that's for guys, I'm thinking about five dudes, and uh, basically that just want to walk, I, what I said here, the path less traveled. In other words, I want us to do biblical community together. And, uh, and I basically felt that, five guys. And so, anyways, if you're inter- interested in that, we'll probably meet every other week, and we're just going to do life together and get in each other's junk, okay? So, um, Noah and Olivia and Abby... They are doing the youth small group, so if you are a teenager here, or uh, basically even if you're in college, that, that's your group, and these guys are going to meet, what, what did we say, the, we said the f- first and third Fridays of the month, uh, Sundays of the month, I'm sorry, at, no, what time? We said five to eight, five to eight, awesome. Okay, then Jen and I are leading the Ascend group, and I thought it was from 20 to, to 40 years old, is that right? 20s and 30s, yep, yep, so if you're 40, you can't I can't come, I just turned 40, so, so, and, and Zach is helping us lead this group, and uh, basically we meet the second and fourth Fridays of the month, and then uh, Cheryl and her awesome sister Kim, by the way, Kim, Kim is, man, she's hospitable, she's got a rare gift, and so th- these, yeah, so these guys are doing a Bible study on the blood of Christ, and it is uh, weekly, and it's on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8. And uh, that, is it just for women? It's just for women. 6 to 8. Okay, so if you got that, change that. It's 6 to 8. And uh, then we got J. Crew, these guys right here, Angelo and Diane. And uh, these guys meet uh, once a month on the second Sunday at 5 p.m. at their house. And... Um, and anyways, these guys do awesome. I love them. These guys are absolute godsends. So, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do today, okay? And, uh, and I will say this. I'm just going to do it. So uh, Bill and Sue, wave your hand at me, please, real quick. These guys, um, um, obviously, they want to be really, um, <laughs> I love it. Just love me, Sue. So these guys live in Belfast, and if you're in that area, go see them. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it there. And I know that's not a lot of people, but if you live there, go see them. All right? So everybody stand to your feet, please. Uh, worship team, if you can kind of just go as far as the band, just, just play me a little music behind. So, so this, uh, this semester actually starts tonight. These guys' group starts tonight. They're the first ones to kick off, and, and it goes through November the 17th. Um, 
I said everything to say today to hopefully that Jesus would speak something to your heart that you would say, man, I need community and I need discipleship in my life and that you'd be willing to commit to one of these groups and that you'd see the importance of that. Amen. Just a discipleship for you to grow once again into maturity. So I'm going to pray for you. And, um, and if God speaks to your heart, you can come talk to one of these guys, get some details. But the number one thing you need to do, everybody listen to me, please is to go to our website. It's called theanchor.me, as in Maine, theanchor.me, and sign up for one of these groups, okay? That's how we know that you're coming and how we can prepare things at our house, okay? And there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Thank you very much. So if you, if you don't have a computer like Mr. Jean, there we go. She does. He doesn't. So if you need prayer today, uh, these guys will pray for you too. So they're double duty. All right. Let me pray for everybody today. Father, thank you for today. Uh, Lord, thank you just for the opportunity to hang out as a family. Thank you for the opportunity just to pull up to the table and to hear your heart for our lives. And Lord, we're just asking today, God, that we would be willing uh, just to commit to what you're saying and what you're doing in this season, this hour in our church. And so, Lord, if it's your heart's desire for us to connect to one of these groups, God, just speak to us. We want to be people who are led by your voice. And uh, so, Lord, thank you for just just uh, speaking real clear so we can hear you. So, Lord, we bless you today. We honor you today. Lord, thanks for blessing your people. And, uh, God, just as they go, thanks for moving in their life, pulling them closer to you, God, so they can walk in maturity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week, and God bless.